Welcome back to the Deadology Podcast from Pencil Hill Studio, New Paltz, New York. I'm your host, Howard Weiner. Tonight is the 20th episode of the podcast. It's um, December 19th, 2023, and it's Tuesday night, 11 p.m., which means it's time for your weekly dose of Deadology. This week, we're going to be taking a look at a show, uh, a magnificent show from Binghamton, Broome County Arena, April 12th, 1983. The reason I picked this particular show is I recently have spent a lot of time on the, on the 1983 fall tour on its 40th anniversary. I wrote a book, The Grateful Pilgrimage, where I went back and visited all the venues listen to the shows and the venues on the anniversary dates. So for that tour, I, I, I went overboard. I, I wrote about it, um, discussed it here on uh, the Deadology podcast, uh, listened to it, and all the time on the 40th anniversary of that tour, I neglected the wonderful 1983 East Coast tour, which started April 9th in Hampton. And one of the probably... what. I don't know if it's the best show of the tour, but it's definitely up there. It was the Binghamton show. Very exciting night. Um, so we're going to take a look at that tonight. Um, yeah, 1983. So I, I started. I saw The Dead for the first time in 1981. Saw him about 10 times more in 82. 1983. I was over the top, enthusiastic, filled with fervor for The Grateful Dead. And, uh, yeah, what a great time to, th- to think back. Just think of those days when you got into the Grateful Dead and when it kicked in where you had to give everything up to go see the Grateful Dead. That's where I was at the start of 1983. Also on tonight's uh, episode, um, after I talk about the Binghamton show and the spring tour of 1983, I'm going to do my weekly, my, a new feature, my weekly album of the week. This week, it's a masterpiece from 2006, Bob Dylan's Modern Times. On the spring tour of 83, I was fortunate to catch 11 of 13 shows on the East Coast, and it all began April 9th, Hampton Coliseum. Uh, It was a road trip. I'm in my 78 maroon Chevy Caprice Classic. I pick up my friend Doug, who I've seen many shows with over the years, and he introduced me to three guys who would sit in our back seat. Uh, they went by the names Temple, Genoa, and Biha. These were quiet cats. And I wasn't sure if these were their first names, last names, or nicknames. But anyway, their names seemed to do all the talking. So we're, we're digging the ride past the uh, going down the Jersey Turnpike, Philly all the way to Hampton, Virginia. And we hit that where you start going west. And all of a sudden, you got to go over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. And man, what an experience that was for the first time. This is 1983, so you don't have a preview. You know, you're you're looking at road maps. I kind of understood that this was going to be a long bridge. But goddamn, we were stoned out of our minds. And we get on that bridge, and it's... 15, 20 minutes, uh, I'd estimate 12, 13 miles, whatever it was. 
massive seagulls coming at you. Cloudy day. And we're just digging the Grateful Dead. Stone. Did I mention that? We were stoned. <laughs> and um, we're driving over this massive body of water on this little lane of, of highway with cars coming, in the, little highway of bridge with cars coming in the other direction. It was crazy, man. It was like enormous seagulls coming at you, like driving into an Alfred Hitchcock movie or something with the Grateful Dead as a soundtrack. And our destination was the mothership, Hampton Coliseum. So on that night, the, the coolest thing, we, had, we heard rumors that the Grateful Dead had brought back Help on the Way Slipknot Franklins, which they hadn't played since 1977. You know, and, and back in those days, you hear rumors, you don't know 100% if they're true. Um, so uh, the Grateful Dead came out in that second set and they played Help on the Way. And just, it was such a treat to hear that. You know, it was, it was so exciting. It was... Uh, Really, really good performance, good show in Hampton. I think they did a satisfaction. They did it going down the road, maybe a satisfaction encore, hot show. Next night, we um, didn't get to stay in Hampton too long. Off to Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, West Virginia University. They played up there. It was an okay show, but I'll, I'll never forget that ride up there, man. Old Weird America, the back roads of the Virginias, man, just... This is what what a road trip should be, man. We're living, we're living the Jack Kerouac dream out there. And I, at the time, I I hadn't even read On the Road, so it was like some real life on the road experience. And then settled back home for a day, a day off. The Grateful Dead, all the Deadheads had a day off. April twelfth, we're off to Binghamton. And by the way, April twelfth uh, is a an incredible day in Grateful Dead history, so many great shows. But for Jerry Garcia, he was that was the day he joined the army, April twelfth, nineteen sixty. Twenty-three years later in Binghamton, there was a army of deadheads under his command and the Grateful Dead's command. So we head up to Binghamton, Broome County Arena. What a history, little history that place had, but their first show there was November 6th, 1977, opened up with a half-step, Jack Straw, an absolutely dynamic show, great first set, great second set, one of the up, upper echelon uh, shows from an, an amazing year in Grateful Dead history, the last East Coast show of the tour, and I remember from listening to that tape, the Binghamton crowd was so rowdy and so into it. Um, yeah, so a great night in Binghamton. They played there again two years later. Uh, opened up with a sugary. Uh, May 9th was the date in 79. And this was the third and last show in the Broome County Arena. A, a, a place that had great audio sound. You could hear it on the tapes. Uh, sometimes it doesn't even make sense how a place sounds so good. But this place had a great sound, great sound to it. And um, we take the journey up. Once again, Doug's in the passenger seat, and uh, my friend Perry was there. Somebody else, we're taking the ride. I, I pick up Doug in Albany. We're going to Binghamton. We're feeling good. Driving 80 all the way, and then we get pulled over by, uh, well, actually, my, my fr I, I slowed up a little bit. We're getting close to Binghamton. I figured, hey, I've done 80 all the way up here. Let me, let me chill out a little bit. My friend's like, oh, come on, man. Just keep going. We needed to get tickets. We didn't have tickets. For some reason, we didn't have tickets for that show. 
90, over 90% of the shows I went to, I always had tickets, but none of us had tickets for Binghamton. So they're like, come on, man, just keep, keep speeding. Of course, five minutes away from Binghamton, we get pulled over. And in this car, there was, this was like a Hunter Thompson automobile in Las Vegas getting pulled over. We had that much illegal narcotics in the drug, <laughs> in the car. We had copious amounts of Coke. LSD, weed. I mean, this it was crazy. I don't think I ever drove around with more drugs in my car. And um, the, the beautiful thing was, even though we, I was 20 miles over the speed limit, and it was it was beyond a speeding ticket, it was like reckless endangerment or something like that, the cop was just interested in giving me the ticket and moving on. Uh, no search was involved, and we we dodged a bullet there. We get to Binghamton. I got a ticket for 40 bucks. Everybody got their tickets. I think same price, you know, and not much bargaining. This is the Grateful Dead in 1983, man. <laughs> whatever it takes, whatever amount of money you want. And back then, concerts were so inexpensive and so worthwhile. It was, you know, it was 40 bucks, nothing, man. Here you go. And what a memorable night that 40 bucks uh, got me. So uh, Dead Open Up, Alabama Getaway, Greatest Story. And uh, you know, pretty typical opener. And then the night begins to take off with Birdsong. Very uh, cool version of Birdsong. Just, but just to get a masterpiece song like that so early in the show, told you of the band's intention. You know, they, they were feeling the vibe in Binghamton. Um, there, was, there was definitely something about this place that brought out the best in the Grateful Dead. And uh, Jerry's like, hey, let's give them the Birdsong early. Show, <laughs> show them we're here tonight and we mean business. And uh, so a good version of Birdsong, Minglewood Blues followed. Uh, so so far, I, you can't rave, I, I, well, I can't rave about anything, any of the performances being great, but that all changes with song number five. The show steps into that, into the, they just take it up 20 notches, man. Jerry jumps into Sweet Peggio. Jerry's voice is angelic. And the guitar solo rips. So the show is headed to Bound for Glory. Next song, Cassidy. And that's one of the amazing things about this show is just the song selection. Uh, like it's a 10 out of 10 night. You're out in the audience. Everything you want to hear is popping up at the right spot. And Cassidy in the sixth spot of the set. It's a wonderful thing. And this is one of the hottest versions up to that point. I think the best one is from the Brendan Byrne, November 10th, 85. Uh, but this Cassidy is just absolutely steaming. Um, and you're gonna, what I'm going to play for you is an audience recording of the show. I uh, listened to the soundboard in preparation, and it's, it just didn't sound right, man. There's a little Brent heavy, not enough Jerry. But on this one, you hear Jerry loud and clear. The crowd's totally into it, and Phil's basses are crunching. So enjoy one of the greatest Cassidy's you'll, jams you'll ever hear.
crowd's loving it. The joint is jumping, and the Grateful Dead are smoking. April 12th, 1983. So we're midway through the first set. After Cassidy, they follow up with Loser. And when I listened to this, I I had no memory of how hot this Loser solo is. It's, it's incredible, and Jerry's just singing with all his heart and soul. I'm going to play that for you momentarily, but let me just finish up a little review of the first set three songs remain after loser we got um it's all over now and once again as i'm listening to this tape this is a totally engaging version of it's all over now uh sometimes the song i think just kind of slogged on a little too long especially in the later years when they played it but this version just on the money everything is is right on jerry smoking bob just like a perfect version of it's all over now and the great songs continue flowing out uh just incredible inspiration on this night uh they bring it back to 1969 for little dupree's diamond blues a song which they just brought back in 1982 and this time period is my favorite dupree's i just love the electric uh, electric sound of uh of the version and um if if i'm gonna I might as well, I think I mentioned it on a podcast before, but I think the best version ever is Frost Amphitheater, October 9th, 82. Uh, this one, Jerry's just singing it so well in Binghamton uh, that the band just skipped one of the instrumentals. Usually get two instrumentals. This one, they only did one. A short to Pre's Diamond Blues, but on the money, very exciting, keeps the show rolling. And they break out Let It Grow to end the set. And, I mean, what, what can you say about Let It Grow? From 1974 to 1986, every time the Grateful Dead played that, I, I don't know, it's find, find the North find version of it. I, I can't. They, they only played it when they were in the right mood, on the on a right roll, and they definitely were in Binghamton. This is very hot. All the nuance and jazzy playing and uh, Gar- Garcia's all over it the band's right on very crisp I couldn't put this in my top five or anything but it's definitely up there another great uh, version from this period so man I was in heaven what a first set that was in Binghamton and without further ado let's go back to the audio hear that amazing loser and the way Jerry sings coming out of the break
It's one of those nights in Binghamton, and so it rolls forth. Set two begins with, at the time, what was the Holy Grail, Help on the Way, Slipknot, Franklin's Tower. Once again, so exciting, and just hats off to the Grateful Dead, man. They, they bring this song back, and this tour, they, so they play it March in Compton Terrace. They played it, I think, in Irvine was the other, other time, so Help on the Way, Slipknot Franklin's is back. They do the East Coast tour. They, the first show, Hampton, they're like, here it is, we're giving it to everybody. They give it to Hampton. They give it to Binghamton here on April 12th um, at the Brendan Byrne Arena. Um, April 17th, they play the third version of the tour. They played the Brendan Byrne. This is the first time they played the Brendan Byrne Arena. Great shows. Stephen Stills was there on the 16th and 17th. 16th, he did Black Queen. 17th, he did Love the One You're With from his great eponymous album, uh, Stephen Stills. And so they play it on the 17th. Uh, the 22nd in New Haven, they, they play it again. That's four help on the way Slipknots. And for the fifth time out of 13th show, they bring it to Philly in the Philly Spectrum, April 26th. And just thinking about some of these shows were so great from, uh, from this tour. Um, I, I've, I probably did an injustice underrating it compared to the fall tour. It's right up there with the fall tour of... Uh, 83 just su- such creativity throughout uh throughout these shows so help on the way slipknot franklin's to open in binghamton uh the slipknot is the noticeable uh hot point of this very hot slipknot but, but the help on the way slip franklin's would get hotter as the year rolls along uh the Madison square garden version october 12th 83 is king but they did so many great versions moving forward, 83 into 84. Uh, just a triumphant return for one of the great Grateful Dead original combos, man. Help on the way, Slipknot Franklin's. Can't beat it. Um, but then Bob Weir says, hey, here's my combo. my, And it's an amazing combo. Too bad he didn't stick with it throughout, uh, through the, all the way through 95. Lost Sailor, Saint of Circumstance. And um, so, so far you're getting, just just think of being at this show, Help on the Way, Slipknot Franklin, Sailor Saint, uh, an awesome pre-drums, anybody would be completely satisfied with that, but this was Binghamton, the crowd was on fire, and Jerry breaks out the Terrapin, so you got the national anthem of Deadhead's Terrapin Station, uh, everything was at a fever pitch, if you're at this show, you, you couldn't have been happier or more thrilled. Now, listening to it on tape, everything's good. I mean, they're, they're definitely, there's no off versions here, but nothing is like crazy exceptional that I would keep going back to the tape, and that's probably why I haven't listened to this in a while. So uh, great, really great pre-drums. You're there. You, you couldn't ask for more. So the experience of being there is... A 10 out of 10, it beats listening to the tape, but the tape still, you're in that 8 to 9 territory. Definitely a, a, a tape you got to listen to if you love the Grateful Dead. So then drums, space, break into the other one. Good other one, especially the second solo on it, followed by a Warfrat, 
And, you know, everything's just grabbing you at this show. And then they break into Not Fade Away. And this Not Fade Away is, it's different, man. So they, they come come to the end of it. And then they're breaking into this Not Fade Away chant. And Weir's yelling, you got to sing it. And everybody in Broome County Arena is like caught up in the fever. They're singing along with the Not Fade Away. It's it's like a wild tribal experience, man. And I'm I'm 100% caught up in it. And of course, this is this will become commonplace. Um, so so really, the Not Fade Away chant started in um, out west in '83. I forget the exact dates of it. Um, before before it came, to, this was the second time they did this uh, prolonged not fade away chant and and the show. And the first time I seen it, I was I was in heaven. I'm like this, <laughs> this is incredible. They leave the stage and I'm wondering what's going on. They come back, and the not fade away chant starts again. The cr- the crowd's chanting not fade away. The drummers beat into it. Weir steps up to the mic, not fade away. So they're doing it again. I'm like. What the hell is going on here? We're we gonna get a third set. I'm, you know, like I've never heard anything like this before. And then uh, they break into "Baby Blue," which is the last song of the night. Phenomenal, "Baby Blue," but back to "Not Fade Away." Um, so, so they start this chant, which becomes such an iconic part of a Grateful Dead show. Two nights later in uh, Rochester, I, or it was three nights later. It was the, the they played in. Maine for thirteen eighty three. Oh no, it was a Maine. It was Vermont, Burlington, Vermont for thirteen eighty three. Great Jack Straw from that show, by the way. Um, so they play there. It took an off night. Then they played in Rochester. I didn't see the the Vermont show, but I was in Maine, and they played Throwing Stones into Not Fade Away, and they did the same thing again. Um, I was out there. I was like, Sweet Jesus! I hope this doesn't become a regular thing where they do this, because. They knew they were onto something. It was so sweeping, so encapsulating for for a crowd, especially if you're not someone who sees the Grateful Dead 20, 30 times a year. But for those of us who've seen it 20, 30 times a year, the Not Fade Away chant would become a little gimmicky um, unless they played a great post-drums, the, th- the the Not Fade Away thing. It, it grew on me quite... The second time I seen it, I loathed it. <laughs> it's like... But but I on nights where they played a good after drums, I was all caught up in the rapture of the the not fade away thing. It was fun, um, but yeah, it, it, it was a it was a mixed thing. But the first time I seen it in Binghamton, I gotta admit I was totally sucked up into the experience, especially the way they came back into the encore, doing the not fade away again, and uh, so Jerry sings, Baby Blue, and. God damn, this baby blue. This I always come back to this Binghamton baby blue, my favorite man. I think it's the best one the Grateful Dead ever did, and um, just the, the singing, the guitar solo. Strike another match, go start anew. Forget about the dead you left; they will not follow you. The way Jerry sings these lines, just pouring his heart and soul into it. So, my my further words will will do it no justice. So here it is. The encore of April 12th, 1983. It's all over now. Comma. Baby Blue.
Breaking of the match, go start anew. It was a magical night on April 12th, 83 in Binghamton, Baby Blue. Bob Dylan and the Grateful Dead, so good together. Hey, it's time for a transition into the album of the week. Modern Times, Bob Dylan, 2006. And um, for, for album of the week, I'm simply taking what I've been listening most to that week, and usually it's a pretty damn good album if, if it tears me away from The Grateful Dead for a little bit. And um, I, I put on Modern Times, and I had to keep replaying it this, this past week. Brings me back to, I, I was touring a lot, seeing a lot of Bob Dylan back in 2006, 2007. I was traveling around the world and just, just enjoying the whole Bob Dylan never-ending tour thing, and he came out with Modern Times, I believe it was September 2006, and the uh, I was just obsessed with this album for like years straight. Bob Dylan reinvents himself with a trilogy of albums at the turn of the century, uh, 1997, Time Out of Mind, album which just 
stunned critics, uh, Bob Dylan fans were reborn. Such a great album. Wins a Grammy Award. Um, four years later, back to the studio in New York City under the uh, producer name of Jack Frost. Kills it again with Love and Theft. Just uh, phenomenal albums. And pretty much the last of... Uh, most people look at this as, as a trilogy. Uh, as Modern Times in 2006. He had the great trilogy in uh, 65, 66, which began it with um, Bringing It All Back Home, Highway 61 Revisited, and Blonde on Blonde. But hey, when you're a young man and you're Bob Dylan, it all happened so quickly, three of the greatest albums ever. But these three albums that came out like later, just nobody does that at that point in their career when they're 56 uh, going into their 60s, you know, so it's it's an incredible trilogy of uh, of uh, Dylan stuff based on a lot of blues and uh, his reworking of blues work and jazz and and when when you look at those three albums, any given time, like one day I could one, one day Love and Theft is the best of the three. Another day, Time in the Mind. I listen to Time in the Mind. I'm like, that's the best. And then I listen to Modern Times, which I think might be the most underrated of the three. As good as those two, man. I, I freaking love Modern Times. Part part of the reason I, I have such a strong feeling for it when I was seeing Bob Dylan uh, during those years, 2006, 2007, that album was who he was. As an artist, I mean, as a person, I, there's, there probably is no other album which cuts right to the core of who Bob Dylan is at a given time, as modern, as modern times did. So it opens up with Thunder on the Mountain. Uh, for me, this is one of the, the great Bob Dylan tracks. I, I would have to put it in my top 50, which is, which is <laughs> when, you're, when you're reading Dylan songs, anything in the top 50 is ridiculously brilliant. Uh, could even get into the top 30 or so, but it, just brilliant lyrics and... That, that opening instrumental fanfare and the, the, the audacity of the, of, the, of the rhymes he is using in there. My favorite line from, from that song, if I, if I recall it correctly, going to raise me an army, some tough son of bitches, recruit my army from the orphanages. I've been to St. Herman's church, said my religious vows. I've sucked the milk out of a thousand cows. How does he get away with that, man? He's such a genius, man. Just brilliant. Nobody else could rhyme like that. He's done it all through his career, but in modern times, it just comes so easily to him. And um, the song ends with that great instrumental fanfare. And I, I think Phil Lesh and Friends uh, did a couple of versions of Thunder on the Mountain. Larry Campbell might have been in the band at the time. I, I didn't hear him, but I, I know that I've seen it somewhere that they did it. Thunder on the Mountain, gold, man. Just every time I hear that, I'm stoked, man. Such a great, great Dylan song. And then we get um, Spirit in the Water, song number two. Lighthearted, ballad, fun-loving. Crowd was always psyched to see it. Uh, you know, Dylan borrowing lines here and there from great blues masters. Uh, yeah, just, 
it was it was wonderful, like that pastiche that he would just put together uh, a song f- pulling from so many influences, when and at the same time using his own originality. Third song, rolled and tumbled, muddy waters, and th- on this album you got rolled and tumbled, you got someday baby, and when the levee breaks, just these classic blues numbers that he kind of reworked in his own way. Uh, you know, but Rolled and Tumbled is the one I, I, I love, man. Even when they played that live, phenomenal song. The fourth song on this album, slow, beautiful ballad. It's just The band's playing here is phenomenal. That, that's one of the things I, I love about this album is the musicians he had on it. It was, it was Bob Dylan's touring band, really the first time um, of, the, of the recent albums where we used his touring band. Uh, so you got Denny Freeman on guitar, excellent guitarist. I mean, Stu, uh, Stu Kimball was also, was also on this album. Uh, so Freeman and, and Kimball are on this album. Uh, the guitarists who rightfully get the most acclaim during Bob Dylan's never-ending tour, Larry Campbell and Charlie Sexton, um, those guys are great, but there, there was just something about this particular band that, that had a certain snap to it, man. I'm so glad they went into the studio and recorded this album. Uh, you got uh, Donnie Heron on steel guitar, violin, viola, mandolin. He pretty much took over, he didn't play guitar, but he took over the Larry Campbell spot in the band when uh, Campbell left. And George Rosselli was there for many years, great drummer. And of course, Tony Gagne, man, the, the amazing bassist who's still there, who's been there since uh, he took over in uh, 1988 at the start of the Never Ending Tour. So uh, that that really, the these guys playing and Dylan in the right frame of mind, it just it, it makes for such a great album. So when the, we, when the Deal Goes Down is the fourth song. And the thing that strikes me about this is Dylan singing's beautiful. It's nice and slow, really heartfelt. If Jerry Garcia were alive, I guarantee you he would have played this song. I could just hear this with Jerry singing and taking the break, ripping a guitar solo like he did in I Shall Be Released or Forever Young. Uh, this this was right up Jerry's alley when the, when the deal goes down. He would have covered that without a doubt. Fifth song, Someday Baby. Uh, then you got, in the sixth spot, probably the song of the album, Working Man Blues, number two. Now, of course, Dylan's giving credit to Merle Haggard here, sing a little bit of these Working Man Blues, but it's a, a completely different song. You know, it's not even, you know, it's, it's, it's just, a, just a little respect to Haggard for singing about the Working Man Blues, but... The, the lyrics and the performance by Dylan. And when, when I used to, when we would see him in 2006, 2007, he'd walk around the stage with the microphone like a, like an old-time crooner, and it was just so moving. I've seen grown men cry when listening to this song, me being one of them. Got a brand-new suit and a brand-new wife. I can live on rice and beans. Some people never work the day in their life. They don't know what work even means. Meet me at the bottom, don't lag behind. 
Bring me my boots and shoes. You can hang back or fight your best on the front line. Sing a little bit of these working man blues. <laughs> ah, man, what, what, a great, what a great song. That's song number seven. Album rolls along, and this is like this perfect pace between ballads and um, rockabilly songs and blues. Next song, Beyond the Horizon. Just the the, the playing of the of the slide guitar here, and this has like such a Bing Crosby quality to it from like the 1940s, but not really. It's like D- Dylan's almost inventing his new. A new genre of music here for an old-timey music. The Bells of St. Mary and the way he hangs on to the St. Mary part. Just amazing singing. So the album's like upbeat and dark at the same time. And then um, Nettie Moore's the next song. Old folk favorite, but once again, Dylan just takes it into a new realm. The way the song starts off, it's so dark. But yet delicious. Lost John sitting on the railroad track. Something's out of whack. Just, uh, yeah, so, so this Nettie Moore song for, as I was, I was really getting into the album for many months at the beginning of getting work, uh, of getting this album, uh, Modern Times, Nettie Moore was my favorite song, man. It's so great the way, what Dylan does with this. Um, and, seeing him performing live you know the, these three the, from these three three albums love and theft time out of mind modern times i i wish dylan was still playing so many songs cuz they they would they would fit in well with what he's doing yeah, this the rough and rowdy i'm i'm, I'm good with but they they're not even that's not even on the the same level as these albums so yeah i, I just wish dylan would pluck in a couple of these tunes because they, they so fit in well and they seem to spit in, fit into the spirit of how he's playing and how he's feeling. Um, so continuing on with Modern Times, When the Levee Breaks. <laughs> wow, man. Such a such a great cover, man. It, so here we have Dylan pulling a great blues song from the past about a year after the uh, Hurricane Katrina in uh, New Orleans, so that there's like this continuity, the old and the past, just you know, speaking what what's happening and pulling it from the past, which is like the theme of these these albums, um, you know, this big uh, trilogy here. Uh, so when when the levee breaks, I so enjoyed seeing that in concert. It's a great version on the album. And Dylan does enough with changing the lyrics that really makes it feel like an original, even though he's obviously paying tribute to, to, to the past and where, where it came from. Last song on the album, the darkest song, which is the way a Dylan album usually ends or uh, seems like the prototype Dylan album would end, Ain't Talking. And this is just like a slow-moving masterpiece from another era, you can never pin it down. It should be the theme of some dark movie or TV series. Ain't talking, just walking. <laughs> and wow, just what what he put into into that and hearing it live. And, and the crazy thing about an album like Modern Times, we would sing most of these songs live back then, 
And then Dylan could just move on, walk away from it, move into his new uh, selection of songs, which he's he's done now with Rough and Rowdy, Rowdy Ways. But that, that, that three-album trilogy, Love and Theft, um, well, Time Out of Mind first, Love and Theft, Modern Times, uh, just went... went Definitely one of the highlights of D- Dylan's career. And he's also got the uh, Desire, Blood on the Tracks, Planet Waves things going. The, 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 these little three album things he comes out with just will blow away anything he's ever done as a songwriter in, the, in their careers. So hats off to Bob Dylan and his his late career, never-ending genius, man. We... Uh, we are not worthy, man. So Modern Times 2006, uh, definitely one of my, one of my favorites. Uh, can't, so so glad I came back to it this week, and it's the album of the week. Next week, we're Deadology, heading to Oakland for the December 26, 1979 show. Those New Year's Eve runs were so amazing. This one is immortalized on the Dick's Picks Volume 5 series, so get ready for that. And Merry Christmas, everybody. If you're looking for for some uh, gifts for people who like to read, Deadology Volume 1 Volume 2, available on my website, TangleUpInTunes.com, or on uh, Amazon, you can find it, Howard F. Weiner. Got a bunch of Grateful Dead-related uh, books on there. But anyway, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening, and speak to you next week. Peace out.